0: Good afternoon. Welcome to our fifth annual hymn festival. It is a delight to have all of you with us. The Psalter, the Bible's book of Psalms, is the original hymnal. The Psalms have been teaching God's people to pray and to sing in every age. Our opening hymn is an English hymn by Isaac Watts, we'll mention him again later, based on Psalm 117. It's only natural that we would begin singing here. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. We'll sing from all that dwell below the skies. Please stand. Church of Denmark. In fact, he was even called the psalmist in the Danish church choir. This hymn, Dearest Jesus, Draw Thou Near Me, was originally written for the feast of the Nativity of St. John on June 24th. The original ten stanza hymn is a wonderful, confident prayer to the Lord Jesus concerning the ministry of his word, which he sends. Later on, Danish and Norwegian churches commonly use these three final stanzas of the hymn as an entrance hymn. The melody of the hymn is called Verda Munter. We sing it in usually in Easter to another Kingo hymn like the Golden Sun Ascending. It's also the tune to which we sing and we sang just last Sunday here, Speak O Savior, I Am Listening. But I guess, I would guess that the most famous use of this hymn tune, even though you might not recognize it, is a piece of music by Johann Sebastian Bach. In 1723, Bach presented a cantata on the Festival of the Visitation of Mary, June, July 2nd, in which he used two stanzas of another hymn text with this melody. And from the melody line itself, Bach drew out these string accompaniment triplets to accompany the chorale melody and text. We'll hear that in stanza three. Today, it is perhaps one of the most widely used pieces of music in wedding processions. It was popularized by a 1926 piano version by Myra Hess, under the name, Yesu Joy of Man's Desiring. We sing, Dearest Jesus, Draw Thou Near. Our next hymn is another mixture of text and tune. We will sing the hymn, O God, My Faithful God, to the tune of What is the World to Me. I'd like to tell you just a couple of stories from the lifespan of this hymn. It was written by Johann Heerman, a Lutheran pastor in the early 1600s in the town of Cabin in the region of Silesia. In 1616, the town was destroyed by fire. The next year, Hermann's wife died. The following year, he was remarried, but that was also the beginning of the Thirty Years' War, during which the town was plundered four times by the Austrian army. Each time, Hermann had to flee his home. Several times, he lost all his possessions. Once, he had to go into hiding for four months. Twice, he was nearly sabered. Another time he heard bullets whizzing past his head as he barely escaped across a river in a small boat. In 1631, the town was hit with a plague which killed 550 people in the town. Later, he developed a throat infection which eventually forced him to give up preaching in 1634. One writer called him the Silesian Job. Sometime during this, He wrote what he called a daily prayer, which was actually based on a Latin poem found in an old family genealogy book. That's chapter one of this hymn's history. Chapter two, December 1757, also in Silesia, the Prussian army faced the Austrian army three times its size The Prussian soldiers under Frederick the Great began singing stanza two of this hymn. Grant me the strength to do with ready heart and willing whatever thou shalt command my calling here fulfilling. The commander asked Frederick if they should be stopped and Frederick said, no, let it be. With such men today God will certainly give me the victory and the Prussian army was victorious. Chapter three. June 1943, here in Minnesota, a woman named Anna Schindeldecker sat with her 96-year-old mother as she lay dying. They sang this hymn, I assume in German. They sang, Let me depart this life confiding in my Savior. Do thou my soul receive that it may live forever, and let my body have a quiet resting place, and let it sleep within a Christian grave, and let it sleep in peace." Before the hymn was over, her prayer was answered. Anna's son, Andrew, heard that story and years later passed the story on to the children in his home, even offered to give them a dollar for each stanza of the hymn they learned by heart. That's how my mom learned it. I learned it from her. And now it's my job to pass it on to one more generation. That will be the next chapter. I don't expect, rather... I hope that neither I nor my children would ever such suffer such so much or, or face dangers as severe as Johann Hirman or any other previous generation faced. And yet armed with hymns like these, as our daily prayer, I think we have something sturdy enough to prepare us for just about anything. You're saying, oh God, my faithful God. If our last hymn was sung by soldiers before going into battle, this is the song of men at sea. It was written by William Whitting, an Anglican clergyman who had himself survived a storm at sea, and then as headmaster of the Winchester College choristers' school some years later, he was approached by a student about to travel to the United States who confided in Whiting an overwhelming fear of the ocean voyage. Whiting shared his experiences of the ocean and wrote the hymn to anchor his faith. It was popularized in the U.S. when in 1879 an instructor and choir director at the Naval Academy in Annapolis was, was sung at the end of each divine service in the Cadet Chapel. Eventually it became known as the Navy Hymn. It is based on Psalm 107. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They say the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. It should have been no surprise to Jesus' disciples when they found themselves in a boat, tossed by the wind and waves and afraid. They cried to the Lord in their distress. He delivered them He made the storm be still. Stanza two of this setting incorporates music from J.S. Bach's cantata for the fourth Sunday after the Epiphany. The gospel for that that day is the account of Jesus calming the wind and the waves. You and I might not be sailors or spend much time in ships, Yet it is with good reason that the room that you are sitting in now is traditionally called the nave, like navy. If you look up at the ceiling, you might be able to imagine this room as a big upside-down ship. The pews in which you sit are like rows of rowers. The important thing for us to know is, like Jesus' disciples, that that Jesus is in this boat with us. Then let the storm blow, and let the world in its waves rage. As long as he is with us, there's no way this ship is going down. We sing, Eternal Father, strong to save, we will stand for the final stanza of the hymn. now, St. John's has hosted a student, a music student from Martin Luther College to come to Wood Lake to give music lessons during the summer and run our summer music program. This summer, for the first time, there was no music student available for us from MLC, uh, but we do have a music major from, the from Bethany Lutheran College who will help us to keep this program going this summer, Ms. Hannah Cowie. Something new this year, something for all of us that we're going to do. We're going to invite all ages for our Monday night Bible and Music Academy with hymns as our subject. Each, hymn we're, each week, we're going to look at one hymn, and we're going to spend time learning some musical skill or knowledge demonstrated by that hymn, something that will help, hopefully, help you sing a little more confidently, yes, this includes you who can't read music or say you can't carry a tune, then we'll spend some time seeing how the hymn conveys scripture and how it draws us into God's holy word that will hopefully allow the word of Christ to dwell in us even more richly and as in you and as we sing to one another. You may have noticed that both of the originally English hymns we have sung so far were based on Psalms. This next hymn is no exception, except that you might already recognize the Psalm. A reason for this is that the church in England was influenced by Calvinism. The reformer John Calvin was suspicious about music, and so, unlike Luther, only allowed the metrical singing of psalms in his churches. Already in the 1520s, Luther and his colleagues were doing more than putting the psalms into verse. Even in hymns such as A Mighty Fortress Fortress, which was based on Psalm 43 and From Depths of Woe I Cry to You, based on Psalm 130, Luther learned that hymns could preach a sermon stronger and longer lasting than those spoken from a pulpit. Eventually, English hymn writers, such as Isaac Watts, began to do what Lutherans had been doing for centuries, use the hymn as a sung sermon on a scriptural text. In this case, the hymn interprets the beloved Psalm of David as one that points to Christ, the good shepherd. The staff by which Christ leads is his cross. The cup by which he gives us nourishment is the chalice in Holy Communion. Note that for stanza five, as we sing the hymn, choir in canon means that the choir will come in after the congregation as in a round. So you get to take the lead on this. You start. When the choir comes in, keep on singing. We sing, The King of Love, My Shepherd is. One of the men who shaped Lutheran mission work in America is a man who never left Germany. Johann Conrad Wilhelm Lea was a pastor in a small German village of Neuen dettelsau from which he sent missionary pastors to several foreign lands, including the United States, and even established schools for training pastors here. One of his chief concerns was the promotion of the old Lutheran liturgy in practice, in contrast to so-called new Lutheran practice in America that tended to imitate the immigrants' new reformed neighbors here. As part of that, Leah taught his students to appreciate the otherworldly meeting of heaven and earth in the divine service and to see the celebration of the Lord's Supper as the center of a Christian congregation's life together. He wrote, Ever anew, they desire to partake of their eternal salvation in the Lamb of God who was slain, and to be assured thereby of full peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, full light and power for sanctification. There is no higher view of earthly life than this, and therefore no more perfect blossom of earthly life, no more time which deserves the name high time, than the time when one comes to the Holy Supper. And partakes of the Paschal Lamb. To celebrate the Lord's Supper, indeed, that is the highest, most glorious work of a Christian congregation. Or rather, not a work, but where it lays down every work. Where it lives entirely by faith. The hymn, Wide Open Stand the Gates, imagines the holy angels and the saints in heaven watching on as an assembled congregation celebrates the Lord's Supper. What might seem ordinary or routine to us inspires the greatest reverence and joyful praise in them for they get to see what's really happening. Heaven is coming, crashing down to earth. This is the very house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This hymn is attributed to Leah mainly because it was included in a book of hymns that he published, but the hymn itself without attribution but it is consistent with the way he also wrote about the Lord's Supper and the Lutheran Liturgy. For example, he also wrote, The true faith will not only be sounded aloud through preaching, but also prayed into people through prayer and sung into them through song. The liturgy will then serve the church as a new fortification against her enemies. It will be a holy shield and sword in the battles of the Lord. We sing wide open, stand. O God, O Lord of Heaven and Earth was written by Martin Franzman for the 400th anniversary of the Reformation. Franzman was born in Lake City, Minnesota. Trained to be a pastor in the Wisconsin Synod, he served in a classroom, mainly teaching Greek and exegesis at Northwestern College and then Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Franzman's hymns are a great example of the unique Lutheran quality of hymns that both pray and preach. This hymn is written as a prayer addressed to God, but the text confesses clearly what our God in Christ has done to rescue us from this hall of death. He came in, breathed our poisoned air, lived, died, and rose for us. Good news indeed. The tune by Jan Bender was written for this text and is suited perfectly to it. Its abrupt and sweeping phrases support the drama captured in the words. This is not a hymn for wimps, neither text nor tune. It's the kind of song that should be sung by men on the field of battle, by confessing Christians who live indeed in gray and latter days, when the world seems to be spinning out of control, making less and less sense as time goes on. It should be taught to the next generation to sing into their hearts the courage to face whatever battles of life and faith they may encounter. We will also stand to sing, O God, O Lord of heaven and earth. (laughs) You may be seated. While he was shaving on the morning of March 12, 1968, Yaroslav Vida had the idea for a hymn that would anticipate what a Christian will experience when he comes into the divine service. He said, I have felt that we often get so little out of worship because we anticipate so little. And we seldom come with a bucket large enough to catch all the shower of grace that comes to us in that setting. So he wrote out an entrance hymn called Now the Silence. Fifteen years later, Vida wrote another hymn specifically as an end-of-service counterpart to Now the Silence. Go, my children, with my blessing imagines God the Father sending his children off with his blessing and reviewing for them what he has done for them in this brief hour they have spent together. This hymn helps us to see that when it comes to our time in God's house, it is not all about what we expected, or what we thought we needed, or how we wanted it to make us feel, or what we did there. It is God's house, after all. And he has things he wanted to say and teach. Gifts he wanted to give. Blessings he wanted to bestow. The Aaronic benediction, while spoken by the pastor, is not his pious wish or even a prayer for you. It is the very blessing of God. The bestowing of the very name of the triune God upon the children whom he has redeemed by his blood. We sing, go my children with my blessing." Thank yeah. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to say a word of thanks first, uh, well, to our organists for being with us, a choir, uh, many instrumentalists, accompanists. Uh, Thank you for doing that. I want to, um, one specific uh, thank you, call someone out um, who wasn't playing today, but um, just, Kim Riggie, uh t- for two reasons. One, she's the one who helps us sing every week, week in and week out, at the organ. Um, and two, all the work of engraving the music to put together for this is, is her work. Um, we couldn't do that without her, so thank you for that. Um, above all, thank uh, especially you for being here. You are the singers. Uh, your voice is the chief instrument here in the church. Uh, we invite everyone to join us down in the basement for a meal. As has become our tradition, we will join to sing the final hymn as our table prayer. Uh, you'll be able to listen to the prelude, and at the end of that, we'll stand to sing. You may sing parts as you wish.